0: Welcome back to WABURB. We're your hosts. I'm Tiffany. I'm Jen. And I'm Liz. And we are Wicked Awesome Bitches Reading Books. So this is part three of our third book series, The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. So today we're going to discuss the second half of the book as well as looking at the story as a whole. Um, So disclaimers as usual. Uh, The views in our podcast are just our own. We recognize everyone has different tastes in books. And if we dislike a book that you loved, it's just our opinion. It's also our opinion that reading a physical book and listening to audiobooks are equally as good and valid ways to enjoy a story. And sometimes one or more of us will listen to the audio version or a combination of audio and physical books. So trigger warnings for The Fault in Our Stars. It does talk about cancer, death, grief, and alcoholism. um, And that includes underage drinking. So let's get into it, guys.
1: All right. So I gotta ask because I've already seen the movie and I already knew how the the book ended. What'd you guys think about that, huh? That oh. was one hell of a twist.
0: Mm
1: hmm. Yep. Because mm-hmm. I think there... both of you believed that she was gonna die.
0: Well, I I didn't have a thought either way. I knew that someone was gonna die, but I. I didn't go into it assuming it was going to be Hazel.
2: I did. I went into this book. Now, now, I've never read it. I've never seen the movie. But I went into this book thinking that this was like a book about Hazel dying, basically. And when she doesn't die at the end of the book, I mean, I'm very happy she doesn't die. But I was not expecting Gus to die.
1: When I first saw the movie... There's that line where they talk about the end of her favorite book and how it just leaves off in the middle of like a sentence. I honestly thought when I first saw the movie that that's how the movie was going to end.
2: I kind of thought there would be a similar ending, to be honest, because it was Hazel's story. And I kind of thought it would kind of go out. Like in my head, I had it. Okay, she's going to Amsterdam. She's getting to meet this author. She's getting to hear the end of the story, which as we know, did not go well. And, you know, she was going to get to do all these great, wonderful things before she died. But finding out in Amsterdam that Gus is sick again and that the cancer has come back and he has, you know, weeks to live, that was a huge shocker to me. That was not at all what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is
0: I picked up on it in like a very small detail that I immediately was like, oh, shit, his cancer's back. When he was trying to like close the elevator door or something and he got, he was like weak and he was like, oh, I can't get the elevator door shut. I was like, oh shit, he's sick again. And then it like slowly started to come out, but he's sick again. And I was like, "Uh,
1: uh,
2: oh yeah, I didn't pick up on any of that until they like, until he told Hazel that he was sick again. That's when like all of that clicked. Like the yelling at his parents before mm-hmm. leaving, um, the the headache he had, like all these weird things. Like I was like, oh, okay,
0: mm-hmm. it all makes sense. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And then they did it.
2: <gasps> they <laughs> did. Yeah, they did. They did. And um, yeah. I'm I some... I thought it was really sweet. I'm sorry. I know they're young children. I know they're 17 years old I agree I agree but um and and I do agree with that yeah they're they're also
1: you know dying so they're I feel like you
2: know they yeah the fact that they got to fall in love and and experience that type of love absolutely 100 percent um I I don't know that whole thing was just the whole Amsterdam trip minus the freaking writer who I can't think of his name right now uh, minus him being a drunken asshole for the trip like the whole Amsterdam trip was amazing and even like Hazel's mom knew and she stepped away I'm gonna give you guys some alone time Um, it was really sweet mm-hmm. I also like how they did the, the
1: diagram she left him a diagram yes
2: virgins <laughs> and people with one, leg.
1: I mean, with one leg and he's like right on the outline eyes like on the cusp uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. well that's because if you remember earlier in the book he said there's I, I don't remember his exact words but he said um he was comparing you know one-legged men to virgins and saying basically that's where he belonged so she was telling him no that's not where you belong you're not a virgin anymore <laughs> Peter Van Houten. Peter Van Houten. Peter Van Houten. I I was so angry at him. He was so wasted. And and to find out he wasn't even really the one, like his assistant is the one that set it all up in hopes that of course that it would, you know, have a better reaction than it had. But he was such an asshole. Of course, once we find out why. Yeah.
0: I was right. going to say I thought the the way that he treated them like was really like inappropriate and kind of disgusting like they're two teenagers yes. coming to you because they loved your book and that's how you treat them.
1: Right. No, so, I I definitely thought that too but I also wanted to compare it to how when they both Gus and Hazel both made the reference of how everyone treats you different and you get cancer perks. And I wouldn't say I enjoyed the way he treated them, but he didn't treat them like they were dying. He didn't treat them like they deserve to have this because they're dying. And they he just treated them like he would have treated any other teenage fan that loved his books. Granted, not right. Definitely not right.
2: But,
1: you know, I think he yeah. makes up for it in the end.
2: He absolutely makes up for it in the end. And when we learn... You know, why his reaction was how it was. Basically, the book ended the way it ended because it was based off of a real person. And when he says to Hazel, when they show up in Amsterdam at his house, says, Did you dress like her on purpose? And Hazel said, Yes, like not realizing that the person that she's dressed up as isn't just a character in a book, it is based off of Peter Van Houten's real life daughter
0: mm-hmm
2: who also had cancer who also had cancer and that's why the book ends the way it ends is because it was her story and her story ended and so it makes you know looking back on it it kind of makes sense it was his it was more his grief I want to say that was being an asshole to them oh, yeah. um mm-hmm. more than you know obviously alcoholic grief-stricken man who treated these people terribly I don't want to just give him a pass for it but we had a glimpse of understanding into why
0: we did we did and he did make the trip over for Gus's funeral um which I thought was kind of a really nice turn of events for him like a a bit of a, a change in his character being willing to come over for that funeral um and I know Hazel didn't want to hear any of it she didn't want anything to do with him for quite some time yeah when he was there I don't blame her no me neither
1: good but very sad book
0: I one thing that I kind of noticed about Hazel and Gus was Gus had a relationship before Hazel and that girl also had cancer and ended up passing away. And he was so willing to go into another relationship with someone that's also sick. He was like, so willing to put his heart out there and be in a relationship with Hazel. But Hazel was like the opposite. She was like, I do not want to burden anyone with this. Like didn't want that kind of relationship, but then, you know, started to open up to Gus. And I thought it was just like, like you said, Tiffany, it was just this really beautiful opportunity for them to both feel that kind of love. Yeah, And then knowing that their days are numbered
2: knowing that yeah. they're not
0: going to have this lifetime
2: to experience that when she compared herself to a grenade just waiting to go off in somebody's life like i don't want to be your grenade i i don't want to do that to you mm-hmm. like i'm here and i'm basically just gonna blow up and blow up your whole world like that gave me chills after gus's funeral where i believe this was after gus's funeral um where hazel is w- sitting with her parents and her parents are talking about things she basically says like what what are you doing after me like what's what's next like i don't want to be your whole life and then hazel's mom admits like well i've been taking classes i didn't want to tell you because i didn't want i didn't want to burden you or whatever and hazel lights up with excitement knowing that she's not going to be a burden she's not going to you know she made them promise That they'll never break up. They'll never divorce. They'll never, you know, leave each other. And that when Hazel does leave this world, that their life will continue on. I just thought that was so sweet.
0: Mm -hmm. Wasn't that also the point where she admitted to her mom that she overheard her mom a while ago say something like, I won't be a mother anymore.
2: Yeah. When Hazel's gone. Exactly. Yep. And Hazel's mom didn't realize that she heard her say that. Mm hmm and she got so upset yeah that's right and that's what sparked the whole conversation and Hazel was like happy and I think her parents were a little confused but it was nice knowing that even though yes I am your world like there is world outside of me and your life will continue when I'm gone so you guys gonna watch
1: the movie Tiffany I know you had a hard time reading this book because uh you you cried it was very emotional for you oh
2: boy did I cry my husband came out at one point and I'm sitting out on the porch by myself, sitting in my chair, just staring out the window, like nothing. And he comes out and he looks at me and there's just tears streaming down my face. He's like, what is wrong? And I was like, it's just a really good book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely did have a very somber, even from the beginning, because you kind of knew from the beginning that like, there's something going to happen. Something was going to happen. It's not yeah. like we can get through an entire book with teenagers that have terminal cancer and nothing bad happens like you knew from the get-go that something was going to happen so it was just kind of like the waiting game of like okay turn to the next page is this it turn to the next page is this it right
1: That that scene where he calls her and she thinks that that was the call that you know because it was like 3 1 a.m and or whatever Ugh. he was at the gas station and she had to go out but I like how she left a note explaining I, I that's one of the scenes where I was bawling my eyes out
0: mm-hmm but yes, I will say that that scene at the gas station, that was one that had me like a little bit of feels going on and like Hazel dropped everything that she was doing and just went to him, man.
2: And was... he was in rough shape mm-hmm. and he was, he did not want her to call her parents or call 911. Mm-hmm. She had no choice. Like she, he needed help. There was more yeah. than she could help with that part. That part had me in tears, like just imagine how he felt like he just wanted to go to the store for himself Mm -hmm. for a pack of cigarettes that he doesn't even smoke he just wanted to do it for himself and he couldn't
0: the other thing that stuck out to me was the pre-funeral
2: that Gus put together oh Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and it was like a week later that he ended up passing eight days
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah. Neither Hazel or Isaac gave the eulogies that they gave at the fake funeral.
0: Mm-hmm. Didn't Hazel not even give one? She just...
2: I was I was surprised the book didn't touch more on that because I thought it did say that she went up and gave a eulogy, but it didn't. It didn't give her eulogy, you know. Mm-hmm. And it made it seem like it was very brief because the pastor introduced her as his special friend, and she got up there and said, "I was." his friends Mm, mm -hmm. and everybody kind of chuckled a little bit
1: then her and Isaac get together so Isaac asked her if she ever got that book or ever got that thing that he was writing for her and she said no what thing and then her dad his dad Gus's dad calls her and says that he found something a black notebook
2: well so it started out it started out at first it Isaac asked her that and she went straight to Gus's house and asked if she could go look in his bedroom and his parents haven't been in his bedroom since he died, but they let her go in his bedroom. She checked his computer. She checked like his journals and stuff and she couldn't find anything. And so she left disappointed. But -hmm. then that's when Gus's dad calls her and says, we found this leatherback journal that has a few pages missing from it. Could this be what you're looking for?
1: hmm yeah then they looked and they couldn't find it and then she thought about where it could be one time she thought it was taped to funky bones which said that he wasn't well enough to go there so then she thought it was the literal heart of jesus
0: yeah where they did his fake funeral yeah yeah at the the group too they hold the group there too i think
2: yeah and then it dawns on her that those pages that were ripped out were because he was still corresponding with van Halen. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And even in, even when he was ill, he was still trying to get her the end of that story, mm-hmm. which is and one of the things that his mom said at the funeral to her was he really loved you. It wasn't that puppy, puppy love. It was actual love. And she was like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> and then like, <laughs> part of me thinks like it must be so difficult because, you know, when you're an older person with children that are dating, they think everything's like world ending. But for them, it literally was. And right. they- they only had their time to feel these emotions. So obviously it was real. It wasn't puppy love where, you know, they would learn from it, grow from it, talk about it when, you know, to their children, when they experienced their first heartache, it's, it was the real deal for them. It was, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And then the, the interesting thing came when she was like, I think talking to her friend, Caitlin, and Caitlin was asking like, do you have pictures or things to remind you of him? And she said, I have pictures, but he never really wrote me letters, except, well, there's, there are missing pages from his notebook that might have been something for me, but I guess he threw them away, or they got lost or something. Um, and then Caitlin said, maybe he mailed them to you. And Hazel said, nah, they'd have gotten here. And then Caitlin said, then maybe they weren't written for you. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the thing where she's like, oh, wait a Van minute. Van Houten. Van Houten. Yep. So then she wrote to the, um, assistant who's not the assistant anymore. Cause she quit after he treated them very poorly, mm-hmm. um, and asked about if any notebook pages
2: were written or sent. And she went over, she said, you know, I'm not there now, but I'll go over first thing in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We're we're talking about the assistant, right? Yeah. Yeah. She told him, uh, she told Hazel that he was intoxicated, which made their job easier to find what they were looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she mails them out.
0: She attached him to an email or something. Is that what she did?
1: Yeah, click the four attachments.
0: I think it might be nice to read what his final words were. Yes, please go ahead. Yeah, okay, I'll read it. <clears throat> so this was the final letter that Gus had written and he ended up mailing it to Van Houten and then it got made its way back to Hazel and it says, Van Houten, I'm a good person, but a shitty writer. You're a shitty person, but a good writer. We'd make a good team. I don't want to ask you any favors, but if you have time, and from what I saw, you have plenty, I was wondering if you could write a eulogy for Hazel. I've got notes and everything, but if you could just make it into a coherent whole or whatever, or even just tell me what I should say differently. Here's the thing about Hazel. Almost everyone is obsessed with leaving a mark upon the world, bequeathing a legacy, outlasting death. We all want to be remembered. I do too that's what bothers me most: is being another unremembered casualty in the ancient and inglorious war against disease. I want to leave a mark. But Van Houten, the marks humans leave are too often scars. You build a hideous mini mall or start a coup or try to become a rock star and you think, they'll remember me now. But A, they don't remember you. And B, all you leave behind are more scars. Your coup becomes a dictatorship. Your mini-mall becomes a lesion. Okay, maybe I'm not such a shitty writer, but I can't pull my ideas together, Van Houten. My thoughts are stars I can't fathom into constellations. We are like a bunch of dogs squirting on fire hydrants. We poison the groundwater with our toxic piss, marking everything mine in a ridiculous attempt to survive our deaths. I can't stop pissing on fire hydrants. I know it's silly and useless epically useless in my current state, but I am an animal like any other. Hazel is different. She walks lightly, old man. She walks lightly upon the earth. Hazel knows the truth. We're as likely to hurt the universe as we are to help it, and we're not likely to do either. People will say it's sad that she leaves a lesser that fewer remember her, that she was loved deeply, but not widely, But it's not sad, Van Houten. It's triumphant. It's heroic. Isn't that the real heroism? Like the doctors say, first, do no harm. The real heroes, anyway, aren't the people doing things. The real heroes are the people noticing things, paying attention. The guy who invented the smallpox vaccine didn't actually invent anything. He just noticed that people with cowpox didn't get smallpox. After my PET scan lit up, I snuck into the ICU and saw her while she was unconscious. I just walked in behind a nurse with a badge and I got to sit next to her for like 10 minutes before I got caught. I really thought she was going to die before I could tell her that I was going to die too. It was brutal. The incessant mechanized haranguing of intensive care. She had this dark cancer water dripping out of her chest, eyes closed, intubated, but her hand was still her hand, still warm, And the nails painted this almost black, dark blue. And I just held her hand and tried to imagine the world without us. And for about one second, I was a good enough person to hope she died so she would never know that I was going to. But then I wanted more time so we could fall in love. I got my wish, I suppose. I left my scar. A nurse guy came in and told me I had to leave, that visitors weren't allowed. And I asked if she was doing okay. And the guy said, She's still taking on water, the desert blessing, an ocean curse. What else? She is so beautiful. You don't get tired of looking at her. You never worry if she is smarter than you. You know she is. She is funny without ever being mean. You don't get to choose if you get hurt in this world, old man, but you do have some say in who hurts you. I like my choices. I hope she likes hers. And then the book ends just saying, I do, Augustus, I do.
2: I got chills again that was the end yeah he didn't need Van Houten to write a eulogy like what he said in that letter was so beautiful
0: Mm -hmm. it was really beautiful really heartfelt really meaningful
2: yeah and I love that he snuck in to see her when she was in ICU Mm -hmm. knowing he wasn't supposed to be there but just wanting to hold her hand
0: yeah because he didn't know if he was going to have another chance again. Right. We'll just say this was just a really a book that I think is going to stick with us. And it was a good pick. Whose pick was this? Tiffany, was this your
2: pick? This was my pick. Yeah, this was my pick. And I'm glad, like I said, I've wanted to read it for years, but I've been apprehensive to read it because cancer is a touchy subject for me. Uh, But I'm glad I finally read it. It was really good. And it will certainly stay with me for a while, so. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, so the exciting is we are coming up on Pride Month here, so we have put together a special Pride Wheel with books full of pride, I guess, um, LGBTQIA plus books. We put, pick some books at random from the Penguin Random House list that they had provided. And we threw some of them onto our book wheel. And this month, we are naming our book wheel, The Pride Book Wheel. So we have a couple books on here. We're going to go ahead and give this a spin and see what book we are reading next.
0: Let's here
2: do it. Go. Let's do it. Oh, yes. We are reading The Color Purple by Alice the Walker. Color purple. that is awesome very exciting to read that so I'm gonna get to ordering that book
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm gonna see if my library has
2: it see if I can borrow it. there you go yep library audiobook Amazon so many great resources for books out there our next episode we will be talking about the book and the author and uh getting ready to to read the book I guess so I'm excited me too And we thank you all for joining us and for bearing with me while my voice is this right now while I'm sick. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, next next
0: time you hear from us, we should all be in tip-top shape.
2: Yes, Um,
0: yes. (laughs) But until then, check us out on our Instagram and our TikTok, Pod. You can also email us WobberPod at gmail.com if you want to give us any feedback share your thoughts about some of the books that we read, if you read them too. If you, even if you want to give us some criticism, that's fine too, but- We're open for anything. We totally are. So thanks for joining us and we will see you again next time. Yeah. Bye everyone. Bye.